Thank you guys for that great song. Take your Bible tonight, please, and turn to the Old Testament book of Ezekiel. Give you a moment there to find Ezekiel, chapter number 13. Ezekiel chapter 13. Now, I'm going to get you to help me to read some verses. <clears throat> so, um, I guess we'll read verses 1 to 4 and verse 10. How about that? Ezekiel 13, 1 to 4 and verse 10. If you're able, would you stand to your feet, please? And let's read now together. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel that prophesy, and say unto them that prophesy out of their own hearts, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God, Woe unto the foolish prophets that follow their own spirit, and have seen nothing. O Israel, thy prophets are like the foxes in the desert. And verse 10. Because, even because, they have seduced my people, saying, Peace, and there was no peace. And one built up a wall, and lo, others daubed it with untempered mortar. Let's pray. Our loving Father, we thank you so much for this great day that you have allowed us to live. Thank you for all of the blessings and the benefits that you've given us. We have nothing to complain about. Truly, we've all had a good day. Our Father, we ask that you'd please help us now to focus in on what you have here in the Scriptures. Holy Spirit of God, please get a hold of our hearts. May every one of us take home some truth here tonight. Our Father, we bow in submission to your sovereignty, to your lordship in our lives. We ask that you'd please help us to maintain a consecrated heart, not just today, not just this month, but every day this year, until that trumpet sounds. Now, Lord, have thine own way, please. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. Please be seated. Well, we have a very interesting passage here, and essentially it's a condemnation of certain pastors and preachers. The, um, the section we have here, I'll summarize it, speaks of uh, preachers who were preaching things that weren't fully according to God's will. Apparently, they were not preaching all the necessary truth of the Word of God. Did you know that we are to preach the whole counsel of God? Did you know that? <clears throat> you, uh, you can tell uh, over time if a preacher is preaching the whole counsel of God because there will be... Uh, some positive things, there'll be some negative things. There'll be some preaching about heaven, there'll be some preaching about hell. There'll be some preaching on righteousness, there'll be some preaching on sin. There'll be some encouragement, some reprove, rebuke, exhort, some, some blessing, some, some building up. There'll be the whole counsel uh, of God. And uh, these prophets back then in Ezekiel's day... We're not preaching the whole counsel of God. The people of God were not getting all of the truth they needed in order to uh, have a good, strong relationship with God. They were only getting one, one piece, if you will, of the, the truth. Now, if you look at verse 5, 
God says, ye have not gone up into the gaps, neither made up the hedge for the house of Israel to stand in the battle in the day of the Lord. A preacher's job is to rebuild broken lives. We've got gaps in the hedges here. And a preacher's ultimate job is to rebuild lives that have been broken by sin. Sin breaks lives. Every one of us has to deal with sin on a daily basis. Every one of us. There's no one here tonight that is exempt from the flesh, from the old fallen nature, from the, the tricks and wiles and temptations of the devil. Every one of us has a spiritual battle. Every one of us. We need all the help we can get. And I believe with all my heart that a preacher's job is to rebuild lives that have been broken down by, by sin. How, how is this rebuilding to take place? It's by the preaching of God's Word. In 1 Corinthians 1.21, it tells us that it pleased God through the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Never despise preaching. You know why we're going down to Tacoma? It's not so that we can go shopping. Do you know why we're going to put our lives at risk and travel those highway roads to get down there to Tacoma for a Monday and a Tuesday and then drive back? It's for the preaching. That's why we're going. We're going there not to see if who else is coming and what other people are wearing. We're going for the Word of God. We're going for the preaching. There's going to be a veritable feast in Tacoma on Monday and Tuesday. That's why we want to go. And um, please pray for us who are going. Very important. Now, I'd like you to put a little marker there in Ezekiel 13, would you please? And let's go to the New Testament, to the book of Ephesians. Let's go to Ephesians. And we'll um, balance out this, uh, or flesh out this truth a little bit more here, that a preacher's job is to rebuild lives broken by sin, and he does so with, by the preaching of God's Word. Now, here's our situation, folks, in Ephesians chapter 6. The Apostle Paul wrote in verse 11, Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. He goes on to say, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with troth. You won't get that apart from the word of God. You have to have the truth. The truth is found in the Word of God. God's Word is truth. Jesus said the truth shall make you free. This truth, the preaching of the truth, will help rebuild lives. Just turn back a page, Ephesians chapter 4. And look please here at verse 11. Here the Lord Jesus gave some gifts to his church on earth. Verse 11, and he gave some apostles, and he gave some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. And here's why. For the perfecting of the saints. Why do you want the saints perfected? For the work of the ministry. 
Why do we want the work of the ministry? For the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, if you look at verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints. That's us, folks. We's the saints. And we need perfecting. We need to be put back together. This word perfecting comes from a Greek a root word, katarizo. And it means that, it means, it's a verb, first person. It means I mend, I repair. That's what it means, to mend or repair. That's the root word behind this word translated perfecting. The Lord Jesus, in Matthew chapter 4, uh, it says in verse 21 that he went by a couple of the uh, soon-to-be disciples, and these guys were sitting on the shore mending their nets. Apparently, when you fish and you use nets, the nets can catch on rocks or branches of logs that have sunk down or something, and they can pull and tear. You're not going to catch fish with torn nets. And so here they are mending their nets. Very common everyday sight. The fisherman mending his nets. That's the same idea. The preaching of the Word of God helps to mend your net. It helps to, to, to put you back together. That's why it's important that we not forsake the Word of God, the house of God, and the preaching of God's Word. It's very important that we get ourselves together Sunday mornings and Sunday night and Wednesday nights for the preaching of the Word of God. It's the preaching that's going to help mend us and make us strong. You say, but I went to a sermon once. Well, that's a good start. What did you do next? You know, it's like uh, going to the gym. Well, I went to the gym once. Well, that's a good beginning, isn't it? I think you need to go again. Huh? And yes, we do. In order for us to become mended, to become strong, we need a lot of the preaching of the Word of God. We need that, folks. We need it on our good days and we need it on our bad days. When we're up, when we're out, when we're down, we need the Word of God preached. And here in Ephesians, we're, we're told very clearly that we must have the truth. We must have our loins girt about with truth. And this truth is the preaching of the Word of God because it, it mends us, it perfects us, it, it brings us back together. Now, if you look back, please, again at Ezekiel chapter 13 and verse 5, God says, ye have not gone up into the gaps. He's, he's chastising the prophets, the preachers. And he's telling them, you haven't mended the holes in the lives of the people. You haven't done that. We've got gaps in the hedges. We could say there's holes in the wall. Sin is what busts holes in the wall. A preacher's job is to preach the Word of God and to teach the difference between truth and sin. James chapter 1, verse 15 says, Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. And listen, that doesn't apply just to the unsaved. Death means separation. No wonder a lot of Christians are walking around, it seems, separated from the very God who saved them. Oh, they could point to a time and place when they got saved. But where's that intimate closeness with Jesus that they once had? Well, it's gone. What happened to it? Why is it that they're living on scraps and crumbs like beggars and tramps when they could be feasting and dining with the king? What made the difference? 
sin was allowed to get in there. And sin caused problems. And boy, sin will just mess everything up. Sin is what messes up relationships. It messes and destroys families. It ruins churches, even good churches. It can cripple businesses and entire governments. And sin is nasty business. And it's for sin that Jesus died to pay for our sin. In times of war, the enemy will have factories in which they'll be manufacturing munitions and airplanes and guns and bombs. And the idea of, of the Air Force is to fly over and bomb the factory to prevent them from making more planes and more guns and more bombs. That makes sense? Bomb the factory. Now in Romans chapter 8, verse 13, it says, For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify, that means put to death, if ye do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Now I believe that what we need to do is bomb the factory of sin. We need to go straight for the jugular. We need to not uh, mollycoddle or pussyfoot. We need to pick up the axe and go to town on this thing and solve the problem with an axe and not a penknife. Now I believe that God is saying here in Ezekiel chapter 13 that the prophets, the preachers, were not preaching the whole counsel of God. They were not preaching the full word of God. Did you know we can actually measure our behavior according to the Word of God? Because the Word of God speaks on all areas of life. And uh, when uh, people are involved in smoking and drinking and adultery and gossip and covetousness, when they're involved in disobedience to parents, when they're involved in improper or immoral style of dress, when they're involved with vulgarities and bad words, bad TV programs, bad books and magazines, bad internet, and so on and so forth, the Word of God has something to say about that. These people that were living back in Ezekiel's day, if they were living in our day, would be involved with the sins that are available in our day. No, they didn't have the internet back in Ezekiel's day. And no, they didn't have some of the vices that seem to be uh, free and legal here in, uh, in our day and age. Maybe not free, but certainly legal. But they still had their sordid shopping list of sin. And they got involved with things back then. And the preachers were not preaching the whole counsel of God. I believe that if a preacher does not preach the full counsel of God, I believe he's out of the will of God. And that's what we have here. And God took these, these preachers to task on this. Say, why? Because sin kills. It really does. Sin is deadly serious business. And God wants his people to live. Now, let's take a look again at a few of these verses here. And let's notice these preachers. In verse 2, how they prophesy out of their own hearts. It says, Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel that prophesy and say thou, uh, unto them that prophesy out of their own hearts. See, they weren't prophesying out of the word of God. They weren't preaching according to the will of God. They were preaching out of their own hearts, what they were thinking. And verse 3, they were foolish prophets following their own spirit. They've seen nothing. 
Woe unto the foolish prophets that follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. You know, it's funny. There's a lot of those prophets still around today, it seems. In verse 4, O Israel, thy prophets are like the foxes of the desert. Foxes in the desert. You know, great hordes of these foxes that inhabit the wilderness. And verse 6, they have seen vanity and lying divination. That's what they've seen. And look at verse 8. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, because ye have spoken vanity and seen lies, therefore, behold, I am against you, saith the Lord God. Here's God Almighty absolutely against the preachers of Ezekiel's day because they were in it for themselves. They were cutting out the whole counsel of God. They were preaching only, uh, let's say, happy sermons. The, the, the fuzzy, uh, woolly, fuzzy, touchy, feely, warm, uh, giddy, uh, happy kind of, uh, of sermons. They weren't preaching the whole counsel of God. You look at Jesus preaching, and uh, he spoke about heaven, he spoke about hell. And he warned men, and he preached about the kingdom of heaven. He spoke the whole counsel of God. You know, as I think about this crowd here in Ezekiel 13, and I try and look around and see if we've got them amongst us today, I, I think I see them. They seem to be the embodiment of the modern charismatic, ecumenical, and the emergent church. Boy, this emergent church today is really making inroads. And a lot of churches that at one time held to the, the great verities of the faith and believed in the, the Word of God and used the King James Bible and sang out of the hymn book. Now, what happened to them? Boy, they're like some kind of swinging country club. Things have changed, haven't they? And the ecumenicalism and the charismatic influence and this idea of the emergent church and make things relevant to people. It's all the same story. The bottom line's the same. Drop your standards and act like the world. That's the, the order of the day. And I think that that's what we have here in Ezekiel chapter 13. And so we have verse 10. Because, even because they have seduced my people, saying, peace, and there was no peace. And one built up a wall, and lo, others daubed it with untempered mortar. Now, we're all familiar with the process of uh, building a wall with bricks and mortar. We're all familiar with that. It's a common sight. And modern mortar has really come a long way since Bible days. Modern mortar is mixed together with slaked lime and, and sand and water, enough water to make a paste. You mix it all together here, and then you plaster it between the stones, and when it's applied to the bricks, the water evaporates, it hardens, the slaked lime absorbs carbon dioxide from the atmosphere, and it's converted into calcium carbonate, and it gets tough and strong and hard. Now, back in biblical days, their mortar was different. They often used straw uh, in, um, 
the, uh, the mortar, not just in making bricks, but in the mortar. They also used a, a slime or a pitch as well. And as the water evaporated, the whole thing hardened. I did some reading on bricks and mortar and so on. And did you know that 100 years ago, they were using hair, animal hair, as part of their mortar? I didn't know that. I just, I just discovered that, that uh, 100 and more years ago, that was modern technology, bleeding edge technology to use animal hair mixed up. Now they use fibers and there's different types of mortar. There's a whole science to, to mortar and we just don't have the time to look at it. But uh, untempered mortar is, has the idea of mortar that doesn't have a hardening agent in it. There's no hardening agent. And so it remains pasty. It remains soft. It remains pliable and it doesn't do its job. Many years ago, uh, as in over 30 years ago, I got it into my head that I was going to do a little brickwork in our yard. And so I, I fancied this, you know, little brick kind of wall, and I thought this would be beautiful, put in some earth, grow some vines, it'll look real nice. And so I went and I bought some bricks, and I bought one of these bags of, of mortar, cement, whatever, and I brought it home, and I decided where the bricks are going to go. And I poured this stuff into a, a big vat and added water. And I mixed it all up to a nice pasty uh, consistency. And then I got the trowel and I proudly slapped, schlumped that stuff on and put the bricks down. And it took me a while and I got back and I looked at it and I thought, man, that looks good. That's a good looking wall. Now, I should have read the instructions because on the bag it said I was to mix it with sand, which was the hardening agent. And so I didn't do that. And so um, after two or three days, you know, I'm looking at my wall and I thought, that's so funny, that's so strange. I could put my finger between the bricks and I could pull off some mortar. And so after uh, several more days, I decided, uh, no, this, this, this is not right. I've done something wrong. I went and got the garden hose. And with the garden hose, I blew that wall to smithereens. No hardening agent. Well, there was also a time back in our first building in, in Ottawa where we built a baptistry and I thought, the rosin work, we don't need to hire a guy to come in and do the fiberglass. I could do that myself. And so, sure enough, I went and I got all of the fiberglass material and the rosin and everything and I went to town with the paintbrush and I got it all on there. It's very smelly stuff. Had to have the windows open and the fans and everything. I got it all on there. And I thought it was so strange that it was still tacky after days. And then I went and got the can of rosin and I read the instructions and I didn't put in the hardening agent. And so I thought, oh no, not again. Why does this always happen to me? Read the instructions, guy. Read the instructions. You gotta have a hardening agent. With no hardening agent, <laughs> it's just gonna have a joke on your hands. I'm sorry. These preachers of Ezekiel's day, it's like they built up false hopes. They built this wall, they daubed it with untempered mortar. There was no hardening agent in there. And so um, they didn't build solid lives in the people. Now we're told by Paul 
in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 2 to 4, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Folks, sound doctrine needs to be endured. It must be endured. You need to sit there and take it in. Solid doctrine. Paul went on to talk about how the day will come when people will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They'll be turned from the truth to fables. And I think we have a lot of that happening today. And we've got churches that are not just mega churches, they're mega mega churches. And they're running 10, 15, 20,000. There's a, a church headquartered over in Korea. And worldwide, all of the chapters of all of the people added up. 800,000 people belong to this church. It's insane it's so big. But are they being taught the whole counsel of God? That's the question. How can you tell? You can tell by the lives it produces. They come in on their Sunday, Sunday morning or their Saturday services now. They love to have Saturday services and Sunday morning services as well. They have them in different areas, different uh, locale. They call them campuses. You go to the campus of your, your choosing. And usually there's a big screen. And then there's some flamboyant guy with a wavy head of hair maybe and a good set of teeth. He's got a real drawing card. There's just something about him. And he tells the, the sweetest stories about a little lost dog. And he says, you can do it, honey. You can get through. Just hang on. You get to the end of your rope, tie a knot, and hang in there. Now let's take the offering. Yeah. Yeah. They're preaching, but are they building lives? And often, more often than not, the people who sit under this kind of ministry, it's a milk toast ministry. They've got no strength. They've got no tools to be able to overcome bad habits and sins. And they leave and they get in their cars and they argue and bicker all the way home. And they roll down the windows so they can huff and puff. They've got no victory over sin because they're not being taught the full word of God. It happened in Ezekiel's day and I think it's happening today. Preachers who do not preach the whole counsel of God, I do not believe, are in the will of God. Now, our passage here also has an application to Christians who are trying to do things without God's power and blessing. Can you imagine trying to build a home and family, trying to build a career and a life without the will of God, without the power and blessing of God? It's, it's no different in principle than trying to build a church without the power of God. Without the whole counsel of God, we cannot build a good church. Without the whole counsel of God, no Christian can build a life pleasing in the eyes of God. They can get involved with a lot of worldly ways, which is exactly what they did here in the days of Ezekiel. And they're doing that today, too. But there is nothing there that will please God. It's like building up your bricks with untempered mortar. Get out your garden hose, Jake. Psh, down she goes. 
So many Christians who are trying to live life apart from the hardening agent, the whole counsel of God, they're being very picky and choosy. Oh, I like the, the happy things, but I don't like the sad things. Oh, I like the positive things, but I'm going to stay away from anything negative. And so that's the life they've chosen. And when the trials of life come, because trials come to every single Christian man or woman, every one of us, trials come. What happens? Well, it's something like what Jesus said. The guy who built his house upon a rock, dug down, found a good solid rock, and built his house and foundation on that. And then the other guy, he said, oh, it has a better view of the ocean here. So he built his house upon the sand. And the storms came to both men. And the first man, he got the storms too, didn't he? But the storms came and the storms went and he stood. The second guy, the storms came and the storms went and he was gone. He was gone because he didn't build upon the foundation. So we have that, that uh, uh, application here. Building lives on sinking sand. No hardening agent. There is no strong faith. You and I must have a strong faith. So how are we going to get that? Well, number one, imagine not taking time for daily Bible reading and prayer because that's what is going to produce your strong faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Going to church on Sundays is not enough. You need to feed yourself on Monday and on Tuesday and Wednesday and all the way through and on Sunday too. You need to feed yourself the word of God and get on your knees, get on your face and pray and pour out your heart before God. And this is what builds strong faith. And by forsaking this ingredient, this hardening agent, you will never have a strong faith. I think there are other hardening agents as well. God calls upon us to tithe. Tithing builds faith. It's like a hardening agent that strengthens us. And many Christians tithe. That's good. But some Christians say, no, I can't afford to tithe. My friend, you can't afford not to tithe. When you tithe, you open the windows of heaven. You bring the resources of God and the blessing of God into your life. God is the one who will now start opening doors for you and start bringing opportunities to you because he's honoring your tithing. That's a hardening agent if we don't get involved with tithing. Not praying a lot about decisions. It was Dr. John R. Rice who went home to be with the Lord back in the 80s. He used to say that all of our problems, get this, listen carefully, every one of our problems boils down to a prayer problem. We haven't prayed enough about it. And I think about that many times over the years. And I think of my own problems, things that I've done that haven't worked out the way I thought they would. And then I stood back and said, well, how much prayer did I put in? Uh-oh, not enough. We need to be experts at prayer. If we're going to master something, let's master prayer. That's a hardening agent. Not faithfully attending church. That's a hardening agent coming to church. It hardens you against the storms of life. Not getting baptized. That's a hardening agent. If you're saved, you need to be baptized by immersion, not sprinkled. That's not baptism. 
not becoming a member. Membership is a part of hardening agent. We're talking sinking sand. We're talking a house of cards. You cannot raise a family with untempered mortar. You cannot build a church with untempered mortar. You cannot live a Christian life with untempered mortar. Look at it once more. Because, even because they have seduced my people, saying peace, and there was no peace. And one built up a wall, and lo, others daubed it with untempered mortar. How is it in your heart, in your life? How is the mortar? Are you doing everything you know that God would have you do? You know, that's one of the ways we get our, our prayers answered. Did you know that? Over in 1 John. We do His will and the things that are pleasing in His sight. So there's His nuts and bolts here, you know, the things that are revealed in the Word of God. That's His will. And then we also, when, after we've done that, the Holy Spirit will tell us other things that we should be doing that will please the Father. And when we do both, my friend, we are on praying ground. We have the presence of Almighty God with us. We walk and talk with the King. Let the storms come. It doesn't matter. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. You know, Christians like that have strong faith, don't they? They really do. How'd they get that faith? Because they added the hardening agent to the mortar. Maybe the Holy Spirit has spoken to your heart tonight. Maybe he's revealed something. Maybe he's showing you something you're missing. Some of the hardening agent. What are you going to do about it? Let's stand to our feet for a word of prayer, shall we? You know, if you should happen to be here tonight and you're somehow not born again, you're not saved, your entire life your entire eternal destiny is daubed with untempered mortar. And you need Jesus Christ in there. He will be the hardening agent. And I'm wondering if on this invitation, if God has touched your heart about something that we've spoken about tonight, some hardening agent that you're missing, would you come and talk to the Lord and ask God to help you to change the recipe and get the hardening agent in there and do what it is God would have you to do.